Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and this is a high energy show. This season, season three, we're talking all things team, collaboration, and how to take aligned action after the stillness work. Tune in for passionate conversations from trailblazers and innovators, my own personal coaching insights, and honestly, who knows? Because this show is where anything goes. It's unscripted and all for you. Welcome back to the Dare to Move podcast for another solo cast. This is the last episode. I feel like I just know it in my bones that I will be recording uh, before I have this baby because I it is March 23rd when I'm recording. Um, don't worry if you know, you're know you realizing, oh, wow, I'm listening to this April 7th. That feels like forever ago. Um, the point is that this content should ideally live on for as long as possible, right? So um, whether you're listening in 2024 or April 7th of 2021, the day that it drops, I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for being here. And yeah, it's crazy. I um, woke up today, had a really early morning doctor's appointment before I really fell into my body and how I was. I just kind of had time to have some coffee and check my email and um, the doctor, um, you know, this may be TMI, but if you are thinking about having a baby, someone's going to have to tell you. And if you're a guy, then, you know, you're just, this is how you got here. So <laughs> anyway, I didn't know this, but they check your cervix. They kind of just go up in there and see if you've dilated once you get to 36 weeks. You can refuse it because it technically doesn't mean anything. Like, your cervix could be closed and then you go into labor two hours later. It could start to open then. But anyway, um, I wanted to do one. I hadn't done one since 36 weeks and I'm 39 weeks now in a couple days. So um, they go in there and they're like, oh, well, no dilation. Your thir- cervix is thinning, which is part of the whole process. You could go into labor in two hours or in 10 days. My due date is officially five days out. So I'm like, okay, great. That's so helpful. <laughs> Insert eye roll. And uh, went on my merry way. Uh, had to run some errands. Had a couple client calls. Went to go get a labor-inducing massage. And when I got out of the car to walk into the massage place, I stopped dead in my tracks, like full-blown contraction. And kind of like hobbled over to the stairs, walked up the stairs, got up there, met my doula who does the massages. And she looked at me and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I am in a lot of pain. Like, uh, this really hurts. And she gave me a couple like kind of movements, exercises to do. Um, and they honestly kind of hurt a little bit more than I thought. Like I thought they'd make it feel better, but the goal is to stay upright. So that was at like 1255. She's like, I'm not massaging you go home. And, uh, an hour later I had another one. So, um, I haven't had another intense one since then. So we'll see. Um, they, you know, like I said, it could be 10 days from now that I actually go into labor. But anyway, this episode is really important to me because I have been working with some clients for over almost a year. Like it will be a year. Um, when it's all said and done. We're really close to that mark. And I've also worked for clients for, you know, with on three months and we're we're getting into this. And I I feel like so much of the work that I do with my one-on-one clients, as much as it can be business focused or making money or launching the business or whatever, there's so much personal stuff that we have to do. We can't 
not do it and expect to make money and expect to manifest whatever. So I I really wanted to come, I wanted to come at this from so many different titles and different angles, but I landed on radical responsibility. One, because that term, I must give credit, um, I, I remember, it, I've heard the term, I mean, it's it's just two words put together, anyone could use it, but it was Aaron McMorrow, Dr. Aaron McMorrow, who was on this podcast um, in early March, who we used a contemplation from her recent book, uh, Grounded, the Fierce Feminine Guide to Connecting to the Earth and Healing from the Ground Up. Uh, we used a contemplation that I pulled from her book wherein she talks about radical responsibility. And to be honest, my first title choice was Conscious Sovereignty. And I was like, isn't that sort of like redundant? Because isn't sovereignty being conscious and whatever? But it's like where we would go deeper in sovereignty. But we've talked so much about sovereignty. I'm like, let's choose a different word. So we could call this episode Conscious Sovereignty. I'll get into why in a minute. We could call it Owning Your Shit. <laughs> we could ta- call this Getting Out of Victimhood. There's so many uh, ways. But uh, one of the things one of my teachers would say that um, she has been on this podcast before, Alexandra Joy Smith, back in November, we had her on for a two-part series. November of 2022, she says it's like taking your face off because (laughs) you're going to understand why later. Um, But radical responsibility, in short, is understanding that if we really believe that we are the creators of our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that's all we need to know to get out of the situation. (laughs) I was not very eloquent, but let me explain. So if I believe that I can create the money and the wealth and I can create prince or princess charming and I believe that I can manifest a dream house and I choose my thoughts and my vision board and all this stuff then we also have to radically own the fact that I created the person who I can't stand I created the person who wronged me and talk to Alexandra I mean she's heard some, I mean, people that have been through severe traumas are, are, are doing this work, right? Really hard when we go to an extreme and think of a really, really awful incident or traumatic event that to say, and I created that. Because if we look at it from a really high level of my soul chose to be here and made agreements with the people who are gonna, I'm going to meet that are going to right me or wrong me so that my soul can learn, that's a very radical way to own your experience. Now, I'm not here to convince you to believe in that or to change how you think about higher powers or what what we're all doing here. I'd love to, but my goal for this episode is for you to leave this hour, 45 minutes, 30 minutes, however long it takes us to not deal with the stuff that is taking away your precious life force. Okay, so if your roommate is bothering the crap out of you, your boss quote unquote sucks, you know, your apartment building is the worst, your dad is trying to ruin your life, your boyfriend, your ex, whatever is doing this, your sister annoys you, like I want you to stop dealing with that. And notice how I said I want you to stop dealing with that. Because you are involved, right? I could say, stop being the victim, stop being the victim, stop being the victim. True, very true. Stop being the victim. 
you chose this. You're co- but when we say that, not that it's wrong, it just I've realized as a coach that people will stop will will be able to be like, okay, well, I'm not gonna blame them anymore. But guess what? They still get bothered. They still get triggered and they don't know why. So then my next session or 10 sessions later or four months later, however many sessions later, they come back with the same issue. Why? Because they're still triggered by it. And they're not saying I'm a victim anymore. They're not as down in the dumps, but they are very triggered or activated by a situation that could be not happening. Okay, so we're going to go through some examples so that you can stop dealing with whatever thing I mentioned, like the annoying person, the annoying situation, the annoying job, whatever, in order to not leak energy (laughs) so you can really, truly live the life you want. So it's sort of like if we are creators, we're also like uncreators. So just like I can create a mess in my office, I can also clean that mess, right? Because I'm the master. I'm the creator of my space, of my reality. Okay, so I don't know if it's the, I mean, I'm not even going to go super out there, but there's a lot going on, right? A lot of astrologers can talk about what's going on astrologically, give energy updates on our planet. We can look at the, um, we can look at so many things, but the bottom line is I just, a lot of my clients and um, even friends have a lot going on with like interpersonal stuff and boundaries. And there's a couple ways that we can look at radical responsibility when it deals with other people and boundaries. So the simple way to, to put it, if I didn't have experience coaching people through this, like logically, um, philosophically, I would just be like, yeah, of course, like you need to communicate your value, your value, your your values. You need to communicate your boundaries, tell the person and, you know, be done with it. (laughs) Not that easy. Okay. So on one level, I know it's not that easy because you could say it and then the person doesn't get it. And then you take it even more personally or B, You say it with a whole backlog of stories, hurt, and wounding that makes it turn into a catastrophic fight, okay? So I'm going to take notes here so I track my own flow because I have so many things that are coming through. Um, One is, again, you, um, you say it and the boundary doesn't work. The second is you say it and it turns into a blow up, into a blow up uh, or you don't say it you because you expect them to know. <laughs> don't say it because they should just know. And we'll talk about that uh, energetic boundaries. Um, and then the other instance of owning your shit or taking radical responsibility is understanding um, codependency. And I mean, technically, the number four I just mentioned is kind of overarch everything. But let's start with the first one. So you're like, you know what? I listened to Garrett's podcast and I stopped it at 11 minutes because I need to communicate my boundaries. I got that. That's all I needed. And cool. Here we go. So you go to the person and you're like, hey, I really need to um, have you just, you know, not do that anymore you know, don't come in my room. And 
the person's like, okay, cool, got it, um, got it, and then they keep doing it. Well, that situation is going to require some very radical conscious communication to make sure that you communicated it in the way that you intended. Because sometimes we say things when we're nervous, when we've never communicated a boundary, where it doesn't come off very firm. So I'm going to give you an example of number one of just communicating a boundary, very cut and dry to somebody, in a neutral way. It's a story from my own real life. I had a roommate in Chicago, and she and I um, were kind of like two ships passing in the night. She commuted for work. I got up super early to teach workout classes, usually left before her. By the time I got home by 6.30 a.m., she was leaving. Sometimes we path, our paths crossed. She would get home, drop her stuff, go work out. I would already be teaching a workout somewhere. Like it was just like we were just like never really there. But in the mornings we were there at the same time or I had quote unquote slept in <laughs> until 5.30 or 6.00. And I was in the in the kitchen making my shake, you know, like whatever I was doing. She literally said to me, she's like, I can't talk to you in the morning. Your energy's too much. It's too cheery for me. Please, I, I can't. I'm not like she was basically like I'm not available to say good morning to you. Because I was kind of getting offended because I'm like over here, like great day to be alive. I did, you know, I'm excited. I was just like high on life all the time in Chicago. And so I'd be like, morning. And then like she'd be like, good morning and so by me just not judging it she's like oh and she doesn't seem like she's in a good mood but like moving on with my day I ended up mirroring back to her the contrast in our energies and she didn't like seeing that it's sort of like if you've had a really long day um, or you're sick and you look in the mirror and you're just like I look awful like you do not want to look in the mirror versus when you get your makeup done or you got a new haircut you like keep wanting to check yourself out you're like oh I look so good right so here I am like oh the world's great like I love my jobs I'm happy I love my apartment hey good morning how'd you sleep you know and she's miserable in her life didn't like the fact that she I shouldn't assume she's miserable but I just know she had a really hard commute at the time really long consulting hours etc and she did not like the contrast of our energies because it was if I could feel it she could feel it right so at that time I was like okay I'm not gonna take it personal I'm just gonna know that she doesn't want to talk to me in the morning I found it peculiar I found it like at the time I was like that's so weird I don't get it. However, I respected it because she said it in a way that was, I'm standing behind this. I knew she meant it. She did. She made eye contact. Her feet were planted on the floor and there was no backstory. She said it early enough that I didn't get mad at her or take it personally because to be honest, I didn't even know her that well. It was pretty early on into living together. So back to the whole point of this radical responsibility. If you are on a level one, just going to communicate a boundary and you want it to work, you need to be able to come at it from a neutral place like my former roommate because she wasn't coming at it from a charged place of I don't like Garrett and Garrett sucks and I am this and Garrett's ruining my life and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to ask her not to talk to me in the morning because we can feel energy, right? And I would have been able to feel that. But when she said, hey, I don't want to talk in the morning. I perceived that there was a contrast in our energy and it was awkward for her and she really just didn't want to share space in the morning. But that was it. That was it and it worked and we didn't talk in the morning and we maintained 
you know, a, a casual, you know, roommateship friendship that lasted a year, right? Now, number two is what I was talking about and why it has to be. So anyway, let me pause myself. You say it and it either works or it doesn't work. If it works, it's because you came from a neutral place radically and radically (laughs) in a radical responsibly responsible way you communicated something that was true for you without a backstory super neutral feet are planted on the floor eye contact is made no judgment right neutral and the person is ready to receive that and by the way ready to receive it we never really know um but we can guess when someone's on the phone or someone's having a bad day not to make you codependent, but just make sure that this is a conscious moment where you can both be present. Now, the second part is, let's say that it, um, and sorry, if the first one, if it doesn't work, it's probably because somebody wasn't really grounded or there. It's like they were listening, but they weren't listening, if that makes sense. They were texting when you asked them. Uh, Chances are you probably chose to catch them at a time when they weren't really tuning in because you were nervous to say it in the first place. So conscious, neutral communication. Second one in radically (coughs) radical responsibility. And I'm going to try to get through these a little quicker because there's more to this than just setting boundaries. But on boundary setting, you say it and it turns into a blow up. Okay. This happens when we create story in our mind instead of setting boundaries why do we not set boundaries because we're codependent we're worried about someone's what someone's going to think about us so i'm using roommate stuff because one in real time several of my clients are going through this um it's also just a very easy example to give it's because we've all been through it on some level something close to it so let's say that your roommate is uh playing music too loud at night staying up later you like to go to bed early and the first time it happens you're kind of like you're kind of like visualizing yourself getting out of bed opening the door and be like hey can you turn that down please and they don't do it or sorry you're worried that they're not going to do it or they're going to get mad at you so you never do it you just are like oh i'm going to soak it suck it up but then you build resentment and the next morning the person's like the la-di-da garrett cheery in the morning hey good morning how's it going and you're like hey, good morning. And in your head, you're like making the story, oh, they're just being nice to me because they're worried that I was upset last night because they had their music loud. That's a story. No, to be honest, they're probably not thinking about you. They don't even remember that their music was too loud last night, right? But now we have this story going. So then they do it again, or maybe they're up early in the morning on a Saturday when you're trying to sleep in, and you're like, they're just trying to get on my nerves. They're doing this to me. They have an ulterior agenda. And then something else happens. I mean, I don't want to get too into story, but it could be like they accidentally use your thing, and you're like, see, I knew that they didn't like me. And six months later, you're like, I need to tell them to not turn the music up at night. (laughs) Do you think that conversation is going to go well? No, because you've made this story up that has nothing to do with what's actually happening. They're just living their life in their own energy space. Hey, I want music. Hey, I want to use this thing. Hey, I'm doing this. Um, Could we argue that maybe they could be more courteous? Sure, but the point is, I'm going to bring it back to this. We are going to help you leave this episode so that you stop dealing with this stuff because you being in your head, creating a story about how they don't like you or being upset that they're playing the music too loud for your taste and da 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 all these stories, that's not helpful for you. We're not here to judge the person. We're not here to fix the person. We're helping fix your energy space and the quality of your life. 
and the people are like, no, but my roommate sucks or my sister does this or all the things that my clients are going through, which by the way, I have too. I'm, I'm not perfect. I've been through all these things I talk about. Um, and that's why I try to give so many personal examples <clears throat> is that we're not here to decide how awful your roommate is. We're not here to say everything else that they did wrong. We're also not here to say that they're perfect, but at the end of the day, it's not our job to fix anybody. It's not our job to tell them what they're doing better. You know, because the thing about, I'm going to say this really quick while we're on living with someone, is that when you live with someone, you get a real intimate look into who they are. Very easily can you see anything from an eating disorder to an over-exercising issue to trauma with their childhood <laughs> it's just hard not to because you see what what activates them and what triggers them and what their unconscious bad habits are like binge eating or anything like that um, I'm using a lot of food examples because I've been present to that in my different roommate experiences but um, and friendship experiences but when you get to know someone you kind of learn their shit and for some of us who are working on our own shit it's hard not to want to help them or to be like ooh. I'm over here healing this and they're not and and they're bringing me down. It's like, no, they're not. They're living their life. You're both on your own path. You're sharing a space. How do you do that without letting their stuff bring you down? How? You stop dealing with it. Dealing with it doesn't mean you're fighting. It means you're thinking about it. It's consuming you, okay? So how do we, point number two, communicate the boundary without the blow up? You kind of got to notice the story, okay? Everything I just said, where by the third or fifth time you've decided that they have a, they're trying to get you and trying to ruin your life and they know what they're doing and they're just assholes or whatever, right? So the story I'm going to shout out is one by Jamie O'Day, who um, you guys heard from Boston Naps, she or Nurtured by Naps. She um, is a nurse practitioner. They run the baby boot camp Jeff and I did to prepare for our little one. And she told a story about how when she was launching her business and raising two little kids and cooking dinner, doing all this stuff that the like one night where she really hit her like, wow, I'm doing all this stuff. And she looked at the dishes and she had to go upstairs to give her kids a bath. And her husband was just kind of chilling. She was like, why isn't he helping with the dishes? Like he should be helping with the dishes. But she didn't ask. She just said, well, you know, um, he should be doing it. So that so she comes downstairs after doing all this work and she still has to do the dishes and she's kind of resentful. Second night, same thing. Oh, he should be doing the dishes. I can't believe he's not. What kind of husband is he? So the story co- continues. By the third or fourth time, it's like, my husband must not love me. If he really loved me, he would do the dishes, blah, blah, blah. Goes on, goes on. She goes, I li- she's like, I literally got to a point where I'm like, am I going to have to divorce this guy? So she finally gets up the courage to be like, hey, I can't believe you're not doing that. And he's like, what? You never, but, but you need help? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like it hadn't even crossed his mind. And we're not here to say that he's a bad person because he should have known and all this stuff. It's like sometimes we, we literally do just have to simply ask, okay? But to this point of it turns into a blow up fight, there's two ways this can happen. We've covered the first, which is you go to communicate a boundary and you have this backlog of story. So you're not neutrally saying like my old roommate, hey, is it okay if we just don't talk in the morning? I can't be with your cheery energy. Like I just, I can't do it. Can we just not talk? She wasn't saying, I mean, she just was neutral. And I was like, yep, okay, got it, understood, cool. When you come into that conversation from a, to set a boundary and you've got all the story 
of the history of all the stuff you've made up in your head, maybe even past wounds. Like I'm thinking of the example with my dad where maybe I needed to ask him for help, but all of our arguments over the past and the wounding I had had from him that I've worked through was about how he thought I was spoiled and all this stuff and there's a lot of backlog of story. I'm going to get emotional when I go to ask him for help because I'm going to worry that he's judging me. There's all these thoughts going through my head, right? And we come at it from an energy that's very frenetic and not grounded. And the other person can feel that. And so this is goes into that sort of energetic conversation where, you know, when somebody says something to you and they're like, okay, I'm going to use a funny pregnancy example. Garrett, oh my God, you look so pregnant. Oh my God, your face even looks rounder. But they have this energy about them that's just like they're so admiring you and they're just like adoring you and it's someone that you love and someone that is just so supportive of your pregnancy. You're going to be like, oh my God, I know. Thank you. And they like hug you, right? Very different than if I have a an issue with, I don't know, a, a friend, a sibling, a cousin, I don't know, somebody that I feel like I have a history with and we have story in the background of how they've wronged me and they're saying, oh my gosh, your face looks so round and you look so big. I'm going to get upset about it regardless of because whether they've said it in a bitchy tone or they said it in that same like, oh my God, your face looks so round. I'm internalizing it as malintent just based on the story I carry about that person. So here's the other thing. When you go into that conversation about setting a boundary to say, hey, uh, I really would love if we don't talk in the morning or hey, I'm going to now when I close my door, it means I need it to be quiet, whatever. If you come at it with the story, chances are they also have a story about you. I'm not saying they do, but they might. And that's why something as simple as, hey, um, can we just be a little more quiet at nighttime can turn into a big, huge fight. Okay, so bringing this back to the title of radical responsibility, we have to be when we're on our shit (laughs) and owning stuff all the time, there's less open loops, less chance for blowups. And we're going to come back to that. But right now, I need you guys to know that when you go to communicate a boundary, check on the story first. Do I have a story with this person? Am I going to get triggered or nervous or activated just by asking them to change something or to respect a new boundary I've set? Check in with yourself first. And try to do this early. Don't wait like Jamie O'Day's story until she was literally like, oh my God, we're going to get a divorce to bring it up and simply ask for help or setting set a simple boundary. The second part is, um, and this goes to one of my clients, actually I have two clients with this very similar example about energetic boundaries. Because sometimes we can get really mad at people for doing things that we think they should just know. And this, I guess it's similar to Jamie's thing too. And... If we never asked, how would they, right? So her example, Jamie's example was my, he should just know. My husband should just know to do the dishes because I work so hard and can't he tell that I'm doing all this stuff and he should just know to do it. Well, he didn't. And like once he did, he never not did it. You know, he's always apparently always done the dishes since. But um, in the example of like someone coming in your room, if somebody said, if, if you have a brother or a sister or a roommate or a significant other, like Jeff and I, for instance, When he shuts the bathroom door and I can tell he's showering or I don't know what he's doing, but most of the time he shuts it when he showers, I always go knock, knock, and then I open it. 
I don't wait for him to say, come in. I don't wait for him to tell me it's unlocked. I literally, I knocked it just so I don't scare him. And then I open the door and he doesn't get mad. We don't have, our boundary is no boundary, right? We just have an energetic agreement that when I'm in the bathroom, you can come in. When he's in the bathroom, I can come in. Now, if one day I flip the script and he comes in the bathroom like, what are you doing? I can't believe you're opening the door and you're disrupting me and you didn't even knock and da 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 uh, He's going to be like, wait, what? Uh, wait, no, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> we've always done this. Uh, so check on any energetic boundary set because it can help the conversation a little bit, go a little bit more easily. So if I were to correct my roommate, not that she needed any correcting. Actually, you know what? I shouldn't correct her because I'm pretty sure it was she did kind of say, she's like, hey, she said, hey, and again, I'm probably botching this. It's more memories, never 100% accurate. But I sort of remember I was making a protein shake and she was like, hey, I know you're like totally a morning person, but I'm not. And I just would prefer that we don't talk in the morning. Okay. So by saying that the undertone I received was I'm a morning person and I'm chatty in the morning. She would prefer not to be chatty. Our energetic boundary was I always said good morning. I always chatted with her. So double check on that and maybe acknowledge an energetic boundary that you are seeking to change because whether we realize it or not, we're always operating out of energetic boundaries and energetics that we just sort of do by example and that we're kind of sometimes indoctrinated into without realizing it. So certain people, whether they remember their parents telling them, hey, you got to take off your shoes when you come in or your parents always did it. So when you were little, you took off your shoes. So you just are like, oh, you just take off your shoes when you come in the house and like your partner always did it. And then all of a sudden one day your partner stops and you're like, why are you wearing your shoes in the house? Like, I don't know. I've always done it. And you're like, no, you have like, so just double check on the energetic boundary because that is sort of, um, it flows into number two because it can it can turn into really big blowups when you flip the script on someone unexpectedly. So I tied it into number two, but I, I had it listed in my notes as number three, which is um, if we didn't say what we're, we're, I guess maybe it is different. We're not saying what we want boundary wise because we assume it's entered, it's known. So it's, I guess it is the same thing, but I wanted to tie it into when we assume, <laughs> it's never a good idea, but that it can flow into a bigger fight or blow up if it's not grounded. So when we're taking radical responsibility, we're assessing the situation with what we're trying to own. Like is if, because again, we're trying to get you to not have to deal with the stuff that's taking your precious life force away. So if you're worried about someone wearing shoes in your house and that's annoying you and activating you, that is taking away from the essence of your true being. It's putting you into reactive mode. It's making you upset. It's sucking you into polarity, right and wrong. We're trying to help you get out of that level of consciousness so you can spend your creative life force or your precious life force being creative and being, um, I don't know, at peace, joy, and love and higher levels of consciousness, okay? So, and then the umbrella that goes over all of this is codependency. So the clients that I know that are struggling so much with all of this are the ones who are so freaking scared to set the boundary 
or to own anything because they're scared they're going to ruffle feathers, cause a disruption, change the way things are, upset someone. And it's like, well, yeah, it might suck to change the way things have been, but if you don't like how they've been, why wouldn't you stand up for yourself? Why wouldn't you raise your voice? It seems simple, but anyone listening right now who has had that, that knows, and maybe you know right now that you need to be having a hard conversation with your partner, your roommate, your friend about a boundary, it sucks, right? My uh, business example when I'm working for myself and starting my business was um, right about the time Crossroads of Fitness was really taking off in early 2015 and I was signing a lot, a lot of clients is when I started teaching or I had just begun teaching 5 a.m. workouts and I didn't want any boundaries. I was like, because I was so uh, not in my worth when charging money, which is another part of radical responsibility, by the way. Uh, I was like, okay, well, you can text me anytime, call me if you need anything, blah, 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 blah. So I was getting phone calls and texts at like 9 30, 10 at night, which, you know, for some people that don't go to bed till 1 a.m., like nine o'clock, they're like going to the gym, you know? So that's totally normal to them. But I was like, I can't believe this client would do that. It's like, well, I didn't tell them not to. That's their normal. So one of the things that can be triggering for my clients is when I tell them to imagine the other person having their best interest in mind. Because they're like, no, they don't. They're trying to make my life a living hell. They're not doing the dishes. You know, they're coming into my room without asking. They are turning their music up loud on a Tuesday night when they know I have an early thing. And it's like, you know what? As much as we like to think that our roommates know our schedules, I have, (laughs) I hate to say this, and I know I've said it before on this podcast, no one cares about you. Uh, that's not like your, maybe your partner or your kids or your parents, <laughs> uh, because I have an incredibly attentive fiance who remembers so much. Like I need to give him more credit because he remembers so much. However, he'll still forget where I'm going or I'll come back. Hey, wait, where did you go? What? Oh, you had a massage today. Oh, that's great. You know, like, so Do we really expect, especially in our 20s or early 30s, a roommate who's got a career and maybe a budding relationship to remember what we have in the morning? Unless we explicitly said, hey, I have a big interview at 8 a.m. tomorrow. Can you please keep it down tonight? I don't know what your plans are. Whatever. Uh, But when it comes to radical responsibility, if we have codependent tendencies, we don't want to ruffle feathers And we assume that they're out to get us. It's so weird. So the example I give that I can give now because of some of the work I've done wasn't the case was my dad, right? If somebody had said what I'm about to say to you guys about my, like when I was going through a lot of this with my dad and trying to get in better communication with him, the people, including my mom, including my stepmom, all the people have tried to help, plus other teachers like, oh, your dad loves you. Your dad loves you. Your dad's trying his hardest. I'd be like, yeah, right. If he really loved me, he'd do this. If he really loved me, he'd do that. It was like, I just assumed that my dad knew. And of course, now that I'm about to have a kid, I'm like, yeah, kids don't come with instructions. How could he have known, especially as humans, we're constantly changing what works and we're constantly changing what we like. One day, I like one podcast. One day, I like one type of breakfast. The next day, it's different. So with communication, it can change as well. And when we have story and we're not owning the stuff we're thinking in our head and in, uh, and it's like chicken or the egg and in order to 
take radical responsibility in our life. We have to shift the whole situation and get out of story is that we have to assume the person has their best interest in mind. You might say I'm too optimistic or I'm looking at the glass too full, but I think of it this way. When my dad came to my cheerleading things and he happened to be five minutes late, do you think he was like driving there like I am going to show up but but be a little late just to piss her off? Like no. <laughs> if he tried to get me a birthday present, and happened to, in my opinion, get me something like, how could, why would he ever think I like that? Do you really think he was trying to get me a gift to piss me off? No, he was trying to get me a gift. He was trying to show up, (laughs) but I had created so much story in my head about him that we can get, you know, get into another time. And if you've listened to any of these podcasts, you know, um, that just confirmed that my dad doesn't love me, that my dad is wrong. My dad can't win. So what we're not realizing is if we don't take radical responsibility, the person that we are quote unquote dealing with, the person that can become the bane of our existence, the person that can annoy the hell out of us, you know, they actually aren't trying to do that. And if we assume, okay, they're not trying to do that. They're just happen to be doing it. Why does this annoy me so much? That's when we look into the backstory. What story have I created about this person? Or triggers. Go listen to the triggers episode. What are they showing me that I don't like about myself? So I was being a mirror for my roommate with my cheery, happy morning routine because life was good and I loved my city and I loved my jobs. And I was mirroring to her that that's not what her self looked like. And she didn't like to see that, right? It could have been a million other things, but I'm just using that as an example because that was my intuitive hit at the time. Um, when somebody activates us or triggers us, it's because we are seeing something either that we wish was true for us or something that we don't like about ourselves and want to think that's not us. So I wasn't triggered by my roommate's, um, awful, negative, whatever she was going through because that wasn't anywhere in my shadow side. I didn't have that. But let's say, for instance, let's say I was struggling with my sexuality but I kept it in the shadow and I was like, nope, I'm, I know I'm straight and that's my story and that's who I am. And I was hiding from maybe a sexual sexuality question that I should have been asking myself. Um, I like this example a lot, by the way, for so many reasons. But then I have a roommate that's constantly like asking me about their sexuality or a friend that's constantly contemplating their sexuality. I might get triggered because guess what it's mirroring to me? That I need to own that part of myself too. So with radical responsibility, the easy first surface level, although now that it's been 37 minutes, 38 minutes, we know it's not easy. Radical responsibility means controlling your space and what you're available for and setting boundaries. So if I don't want people in my office, I'm going to put it, I'm going to communicate it, whether that's putting a sign on the door to remind people after having a conscious conversation with them, communicating that boundary, I am not no longer available for someone to interrupt me. And if they do, I can say, hey, I, I'm, is there something wrong? Like, I, you know, I don't have people in my office. What's, what's going on? Conscious conversation. Um, now, the other part of radical responsibility is making sure you've integrated what is in your shadow so you don't get triggered. Because it's typically something that someone's mirroring for us that makes it more than just the boundary. So let's use the roommate example. Um, If Jeff, my fiance, who's got a very healthy relationship with food, 
happen to become roommates with somebody, let's say a female, not to stereotype, but here we are, who has an eating disorder. When he notices unhealthy food behaviors, he's going to notice it and he's going to maybe hold space for it. Who knows? Maybe bring it up to them. Hey, what? Why do you eat that? Um, what do you? Are you hungry? Are you not hungry? You. Know, he may ask some neutral questions, and he's gonna keep living his life. And if if anyone asks, "How's your roommate?" He might say, "Oh, it's interesting. They've got a weird relationship with food, but it's not gonna bother him at all. It just won't because he doesn't have a shadow side that has. There's no part of his fullest of being, bright side, dark side, shadow side, non-shadow side." that struggles with food however if um maybe myself a couple years ago that was still dealing with some unhealed parts of my former eating disorder moved in with a roommate who I could just spot like in a second had an eating disorder unhealthy relationship with food blah blah blah. I may be pretty activated I the projector in me may want to step in and be like hey you know what are you doing why are you you know, you shouldn't be doing that and try to, or maybe try to coach. And this is my, I'm trying to, this is a bad example because I know too much about coaching and healing food relationships. It's hard to think, it's hard to use myself here, but I'll use my older self. Probably would have tried to coach from afar or coach passive aggressively or insert myself. Why? Because I was triggered and I may get super, super triggered by their behavior. Living with them. And I have clients who have been massively triggered by their roommates. And we could say it's because of something that's in their shadow. It could be because here's another really big one about why people trigger you. And I know you're like, Garrett, why are we talking about triggers, radical responsibility? Again, what is this episode about? It's about how you can stop dealing with this stuff that takes away your precious life force energy. When you're triggered, You're in fight or flight or reactive consciousness. You cannot be intuitive. You cannot be creative. You cannot move the needle in your company. You cannot do anything productive, okay? That's why this is important. So back to triggers. Sometimes people who are at our former versions of ourselves will trigger us. So let's say that there was a time when you were just starting to figure out your created self, your ego, and you were putting stuff out there that was a little outside your comfort zone and people who knew you one way were like that's not who you are or oh that's weird like you say one thing in person and you say a different thing online and there's nothing wrong with that by the way that's just someone trying to create a new version of themselves and starting with Instagram if you are curious about that topic, um, listen to anything I've recorded on Ego or the episode I Was Thin-fluenced. We talk a lot about how social media can be a very helpful tool and a very hurtful tool with influencing our own behaviors and being influenced. But I digress. So let's say that you're really triggered and you're like caught up in what they're saying and are they true and what they're saying and, and you're worried about what someone else is posting why? Well, my guess is it's because they remind you of yourself at a certain time and you don't feel far enough away from that to not get activated because it's almost like embarrassing to see where you started, if that makes sense. And I've been there. I'm trying to think of a a good example. Um, But the only one that's coming to me because I use it so much is just the red hair because it's a little more surface and 
it's like, you know, you had red hair, you're super embarrassed about it. So you decide to start dyeing it blonde. Now you're no longer a redhead. You no longer have to be embarrassed because someone when you were four called you dumb because you had red hair. You've been hiding it all this time. And um, then you dye it two weeks later, this uh, redheaded person comes into your life, however they come, whether it's through work, friendships, dating, whatever. And you're kind of triggered by their confidence because they are completely owning the thing that you don't like about yourself, which by the way, I'm not telling you to not dye your hair. If you don't want to have red hair, you don't want to have red hair. That is something you can radically, uh, or have, take radical responsibility in and just own it and be like, yeah, I like myself blonde better. Right. I, I responsibly own the fact that I like having hair extensions and I'm not triggered by people hiding them or not hiding them or having them. And it's just like, it's my choice. And that's where we go to back to conscious sovereignty. It's what you're choosing. But if you are still close to that wound of red hair being called stupid and you see someone out there being super confident with their red hair, you may be triggered because your, your brain is like, I don't compute. Like, I think, like, how are they so confident? And this is the same thing where, like, if your parents told you that you were going to fail with an online business so you didn't do it, and then you see someone who is crushing it as an online business and the exact thing you wanted to do, you may be activated. So how do we remove the triggers and activators? One, I do think it would be helpful now that I'm saying so much about triggers to go back and listen to the episode, What Are Triggers?, that was recorded in the summer of 2020. Now, the next part is, With radical responsibility, it's just about being more conscious and conscious of what you're choosing. Being aware when your heart rate races, when you get a lump in your throat, when you feel like yelling at someone, when you feel frustrated and you start to realize you're catching, you know, you're making up a story. Catch yourself in that moment. Oh my God, I'm making up a story about about why Jeff doesn't knock anymore when he comes in the bathroom. What? There's no story. He's just going based off of our energetic boundaries forever. And this is a really big one, by the way, radical responsibility with family, because a lot of times we grow up with whatever was just deemed okay in our families, and we deem that behavior okay. And then as we start to grow and change as adults and we do our own healing work, we may have new ideas about what's okay and what's not. So just remember that if you don't consciously communicate your new boundaries or your new way of communicating, doing things, holding space, etc., that you really may need to have that conversation because if you don't, there's no like it's not fair to expect those other people know your new expectations. Um and by consciously communicating what you're choosing you're not the the way the reason it's hard and the reason we're still going on this is because all of these things are going to trigger codependency consciously choosing something if you have codependent ties from your past codependent challenges is going to be very hard so the example is everyone in the car wants vanilla ice cream and you're like but I want chocolate in your head and then you're like but are they going to judge me because um I don't want them to, I don't want to be different or I don't want to be a hassle because it might take longer for my chocolate ice cream to be made. And I just like don't want to hold up the group because I don't want to take up space and all the stories. So it's literally like being radically, taking radical responsibility is being able to say, I would love chocolate ice cream because the genuine nature of your spirit 
wants freaking chocolate ice cream and does not worry about how that choice will be perceived. When you get this, and we're 47 minutes in, I hope something's landing, you won't have as hard of a time making decisions in your life. I'm not saying decision-making will all become easy, but when you can look at either the logical part, if we're dealing with business, numbers, things like that, and or your own intuition, it all is through your channel. Not what other people think, not what other people want, not what other uh, people have said that they're, you're going to make them feel some way. You can't make anyone feel something they're not choosing either. We all choose. So I want you to start moving through the day, moving through your life, and just asking yourself, what am I choosing? So really good example. Last night, I had a call at 8.30 at night while 39 weeks pregnant uh, with an Australian who was quite lovely, by the way. Very excited. Very glad I did this call. And I got really tired at 6, really tired at 6.30 when I was eating. I was on the couch at 7. The lights were off. My head was pounding. I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this call. And Jeff was like, don't do it because Jeff is very much in his conscious sovereignty, what he's choosing all the time, taking radical responsibility in his life. And um, I was like, no, I was like, I need to choose not to complain right now. And he kind of was being facetious. He's like, well, there's an idea because in pregnancy, I'm constantly like, my head hurts, my head hurts. But um, I said, no, 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 no. Like I asked for this call. I... I wanted, I wanted this. This is really important to me. I'm just really tired and kind of wondering why did I choose that? And then I realized it was because that's what worked for him and I wanted to get it done before the baby. And I was like, no, 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 I chose this. I chose this. And so he had a point. Why complain if I am choosing it? And as soon as I brought awareness to that, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I'm really excited. And the call was amazing. Um, but I was then talking to him the next morning, aka this morning, and I was like, oh yeah, Thursday, Thursday's going to be kind of crazy. I hope I don't go into labor because I've got this, this, and then I've got a catch-up call with so-and-so. And he was like, why are you taking catch-up calls right now? Like, why are you doing that? Why are you choosing that right now? And I love that he said, why are you choosing that? So that's a really good question. I was like, you know, I guess because so far during pregnancy, when I'm working, I feel really, you know, present and away from the physical sensations and whatever whatever you know disclaimer I had in that moment and um and it just reminded me that we are always choosing so if you choose a work dinner on a Wednesday night you're choosing it and for the person who's like no I have to go because then my boss is going to judge me if I don't go and blah 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 blah. Uh, I can give you an example of how that is not true because I went to in real estate there's a big convention in Vegas every year, and I think I went to four of them, always working with majority men, and the men like to go out and gamble, and I, I, I say that like it sounds sexist, but really there's just so few female in the space, f- females in the space, and then by the last ICSC I went to, I actually did meet some female friends, shout out to Logan and Elam, and um, I still didn't go. I did not go out late at all because I had no interest in it. I was like, it's going to make me more tired. I don't want to drink that late at night. I know I need my sleep. I've got other things to tend to. I'm here to do work and that not the networking at midnight. And I chose that and it never held me back. So remember, 
Taking radical responsibility in life means asking yourself, what am I choosing? Down to what socks you put on your feet to how you spend your time. And if there's anything where you're like, because I know there are some of you listening where you're like, Garrett, but my boss tells me what I have to do. And they, excuse me, they tell me this and I have to do. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) If you feel like you have to, you don't feel safe in your own self. And we can relate that all the way back to the deep trauma stuff. We can relate it to so many things, but it's a root shocker thing. It's a safety thing. It's a money thing. And you don't have to do anything. You are always creating your life and you are co-creating it with whoever's around. So if right now you are co-creating turmoil and stress in your living situation, choose to stop dealing with that. Choose differently. Conscious sovereignty, conscious choice. What are you owning in your life? What are you taking radical responsibility for? What boundaries are you setting? And the big one here, especially with boundaries, is to double check if you have created any stories that are changing the way you're perceiving the situation and assume that the other person has your best interest in mind. And I know somebody just got triggered when you heard that. How could they have my best interest in mind? They've done this. They've done this. They've done this. Guess what? A punch, to, in order to be punched, you have to be physically there, right? They can't punch you if you leave the situation. How are you going to leave? How are you going to choose to leave? How are you going to choose to communicate? We always have choice. And again, my goal is not for my, I don't want to be like the Gary Vaynerchuk here being like, stop playing the victim, get over yourself. But like, we could kind of say that the way I'm saying it is not only are you potentially playing the victim, you are consciously co-creating this with someone or unconsciously co-creating the situation. And if you just stop being available for it, You will own so much more energy like a full tank of gas to yourself. Then you can choose how to spend your time and money and energy differently. And if you are struggling with that, email me because you may need some help around uh, or go get a really powerful book on self-help. You may need some help unraveling layers of codependency if you're worried about how your choices are going to be perceived. So Um, I hope this was helpful for you. Um, I also think that, I don't know, I feel like called to share about um, Dr. Erin McMorrow's book, Getting Grounded, because when we are grounded, we're so much more present, we're here, we're conscious, we are doing the healing work. It could be a really good book for you guys. So I will put that in the show notes. I am wishing you all the best. (laughs) I am receiving any good vibes you have for me um, going into labor. If you're listening to this in the future, um, no worries. <laughs> you can pull up my Instagram and see how old my baby is at this point. <clears throat> Excuse me, because, um, yeah, I hope you're listening in the future and I hope that this episode lives on, um, for whoever needs to hear it. So thanks so much for tuning in. <clears throat> I had no idea I was going to go this long. I thought it would take 30 minutes, but I'm glad that we're here and I hope this helps you stop dealing with the stuff in your life that is bringing you down. All right. I wish you all the best. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, dare to move.